Financial literacy is, yes, about our knowledge, but it's not just about the financial aspect. It's also about having the right skills and confidence to really make responsible financial decisions. They say that talking is a necessity. Listening is an art. I couldn't agree more. Listening is how I learn the most. During this podcast, we get to meet inspiring, passionate experts from the business community. I am Guy Cormier. Thank you for listening. We've been worried about rising housing costs for years now, and there has been a lot of media coverage about this. And this fall, we're seeing it on the agenda for politics at the provincial and even federal levels. And in the current housing crisis, I'm totally convinced that financial literacy has become more important than ever. It is a tool to really help people navigate the crisis so they can learn more about managing their day-to-day finances and goals. And you have to learn how to manage your finances responsibly and sustainably. And we've been believers since the beginning at Desjardins. It's in our DNA as a cooperative. And I'm getting the chance to talk about this with today's guests. Isabel Garon, Executive Vice President Marketing Communication, Cooperations and President's Office, and also Rocco Rossi, Live from Toronto, Rocco is the CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. So welcome, both of you, and thank you for accepting my invitation. Thank you very much, Rocco. Très grand plaisir. Great pleasure, my friend. Thank you, and Isabelle, too. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And before we get right into the topic, for the benefit of our listeners, tell me a little more about yourself and your role, Rocco. Well, um, I've had the great honor for almost six years now to be the president and CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. Uh, We're an umbrella organization of over 150 chambers and boards of trade in every corner of the province of Ontario. We represent over 60,000 businesses, large and small, public, private, but in addition, not-for-profits, even a few labor unions. Um, really to reflect the economy as a whole and to work together um, to advocate with government to help create uh, the most productive environment possible within which uh, those businesses and the economy as a whole can prosper. Uh, Thank you very much, Rocco. Really, really appreciate it. And on your side, Isabel? Yes, I have few roles, in fact. Um, The first is uh, as a chief of staff, I'm in charge of the uh, president's office. I am also the main contact person for elected case directors and the board of directors. And also, uh, since me, I oversee teams working in national marketing, uh, communications, change management, and the organizational cultural shift, and also cooperation. So yes, it's true. We work closely together. So thanks again, Isabel, for being with us today. So I want to start off our conversation talking about financial literacy. And I know it is not necessarily most people's favorite subject, but it's not because they aren't interested in it that it's not important. On the contrary. So I really feel that it is essential that we talk about it more and more. And I think, Isabel, you agree with that. Oh, yes, you are absolutely right, Guy. The numbers speak for themselves. 
According to a survey conducted in 2022, 30% of Canadians don't consider themselves to be financially literate. Only 15% consider themselves financially literate when it comes to life insurance, investments, and stock. And also according to the poll, while 60% admit to having a personal or monthly budget, only 29% have taken an education course about, about finance or personal budget management. Well, that's really interesting, uh, Isabella, what you just said, because financial literacy is, yes, about our knowledge, but it's not just about the financial aspect. It's also about having the right skills and confidence confidence to really make responsible financial decisions. And Eroko, on your side, what are your thoughts on Canadians' current level of, uh, of financial literacy from your perspective? Look, we've got a long way to go, and this is both from the standpoint of consumers and businesses themselves. Very often people have this sense that, well, if, if someone is in business, of course they're financially literate. Um, but particularly we find with small and medium-sized businesses where the the owners are wearing multiple hats. Uh, so they're in charge of production, they're in charge of marketing, they're in charge of sales, they're also the chief financial officer. They may know their product and service, they may not know all of the financial ins and outs, which makes it so important to train and also to have great financial partners and advisors like uh, Desjardins and their community that they can work with to put together effective business plans and to make sure they don't get into financial difficulties as they're pursuing their business dreams. And I agree with you, uh, Rocco, that it's true that at Desjardins, we really help enrich the financial literacy of our members and all of our clients by promoting financial education. So so that our members and our clients, they can manage their finances sustainably and also in line with their own goals. And education and financial coaching is also one of the expectations our members and clients expect from us. There is a real big need for this, especially with youth, Isabel, I think. It's amazing that in our 123 years of existence, we have never lost sight of just how important that is. We could even say that financial education was part of what drove Alphonse Desjardins to create the cases. He just wanted to help people to take better control of their money. So today at Desjardins, we provide a financial education to people at all stages of life through our support and advice, but also through our many programs like for youth, we have school case. We also have youth dividends that are designed to reward young people for keeping up with their saving habits. This, uh, those dividends are available to all 280,000 Desjardins youth members in Quebec and Ontario since 2022. We do also have personal finance, I'm in charge program, that covers a range of topics like budgeting, credit, savings, getting out of debt, entrance and investments, plus related topics like digital security, taxes, or choosing the right type of transportation and things to consider when moving to an apartment. For 10 years, 
This program has been offered free of charge for young people ages 16 to 25, whether or not they are Desjardins members. And the program is also available for newcomers to Canada, mainly in Quebec and Ontario. So, Isabelle, many, many, many individuals program totally focus on our, our personal members who are doing business uh, with us, members and clients. But I know that there's also, like Rocco said, needs for entrepreneurs, and we have some programs too. Yes, we do have one, which is a Créavenir Youth Entrepreneurship Program uh, that helps entrepreneurs ages 18 to 35 who have trouble securing financing the, for their business. And I want to add, Isabelle, that we know that's what our members and clients come to us for. Financial advice, education, and also coaching. And that's really what they expect from us. And actually, according to a recent survey, 90%, 90% of young people ages 18 to 30 said they wanted to improve their financial knowledge. So along with the initiatives you just mentioned, we cannot forget our newest addition, Unforeseen, a decision-making game for Canadians aged 16 to 25. Using simulations, players make different choices and, along the way, pick up key financial literacy concepts. And during the game, players get situation cards and make choices to help their avatar navigate adult life. And each decision affects their well-being and personal finances and unlocks unforeseen and surprising situations. So people, I'm sure, are going to love it. But most importantly, it meets a need, a real need. And I want to flip now things over to Rocco. Rocco, how does financial education play a role at the Ontario Chamber of Commerce? And what's your approach with your members? What do you feel are their needs and expectations? Look, Guy, um, this is a crucial uh, issue, and it was underscored in no uncertain terms during the recent pandemic um, because people, you know, were closed down, had to deal with inventories they couldn't sell, had to restart up, had to hire, had to fire, had to think about cash flows. Um, now with inflation, supply chain, how do you price uh, properly to make sure that you're actually making uh, money? And how do you access capital? Because we know that for many of our members and for new businesses in general, access to capital is one of the biggest challenges and the single best way to be able to access capital from financial partners like Desjardins and others is to be able to have an effective and credible business plan which requires you to have a financial literacy to be able to put those numbers together. And then on the consumer side, to make sure our consumers are not getting into difficulty, financial literacy is so crucial because I'll give you, you know, one very simple and maybe simplistic example. Sometimes when people were talking about a 1% increase uh, in the prime rate or a 1% increase in mortgage, Someone who's not particularly literate may say, well, 1%, that's that's tiny, that's nothing. But if your mortgage was at 2%, a 1% increase is actually 50%, yeah. not true. 1%. And so being able to underscore those messages is so crucial to the financial health 
of both consumers and businesses. I totally agree. And when we talk about financial literacy, you talk about mortgages, we talk also about affordability. And housing is a, is a big topic right now in Canada. And often we hear about young people who are looking to enter the housing market, but, but with rising costs, they're starting to really lose hope right now. And I know very well that the Ontario Chamber of Commerce is really proactive uh, on that topic. And you recently published a report on the housing crisis. And, and Roku, can you tell me a bit more about, about that? What are some of the, your solutions where you think that can help uh, address housing affordability? Well, first and foremost, I want to give a big shout out to, to Desjardins, who were our partners uh, in our recent home-stretched uh, report. And without that, uh, that support, both uh, financial and intellectual thought leadership, it would not have been uh, as successful as it has been. Look, at for us, um, housing is not simply a social justice issue. It's not simply that you know, we want people to be able to dream of opening of owning a house and as part of the Canadian dream. As people in business, we know that you simply cannot attract and retain employees if they don't have access to housing close to where your factory, your store, your office is. And so it is a business critical um, issue. And the first thing that is that is important is to understand that there is in fact a crisis because for many years this issue has been percolating, but it has not been central to the debate. And now finally you have this understanding in the media and among the political and policymaking classes that this is in fact a crisis. And there are three broad areas where solutions are to be found. One is, is the labor, because in order to build the houses, um, you need people who have those skills. And we have had significant and continue to have significant shortages in that front. So number one is immigration and making sure that you have an immigration policy that brings in people with those skills. Two is to make sure you have an education system. And here, hats off to... Uh, Monty McNaughton, the Minister of Labor in, in Ontario, that's really been focusing on this notion of the importance of skilled trades, not just to traditional workers, but on an inclusive basis, including women in trades. That's really important. Number two is the speed of decision-making by governments at all levels, particularly at the municipal level, to make sure that you are encouraging, incentivizing uh, the building of housing on a rapid basis. Understand that it is a crisis and that we've got to speed up. And the third is really innovation, both from a technology standpoint and a partnership standpoint. Totally agree with you, Rocco. I really feel now that we have a discussion. Maybe it was a bit too long, but now we have a national discussion regarding housing crisis on the provincial level, the federal level, and in many, many, so many municipalities. And you just, the third aspect that you said was about innovation. And I would love to hear about you regarding cooperatives and housing cooperatives specifically, because for some it's innovation. And for people like me, it has been there for many, many years. And actually it's quite interesting because at our event that we organized, 
organized last June in Montreal, Dream the Impossible, with so many, many, many young people. We ask our youth uh, their ideas to address the housing crisis. And what they told us is, why reinvent the wheel when part of the solution is to use the housing cooperative model, which should be reaching more scale? So I would like to hear from you. What do you think about housing cooperatives? How do you think they can play a role and be part of a solutions? Well, those young people who responded in your conference are absolutely uh, right. In some cases, we don't have to reinvent the wheel, uh, but we have to pump up the tires <laughs> yeah, of true, the wheels true. that exist. And one of those wheels is cooperative uh, housing. And so we have in our report some examples, some case studies of where this works. But this is a crisis. And thank goodness that uh, it, we're having that discussion uh, and crises typically do not have a single silver bullet to solve them. This is about creating silver buckshot. And one of those pieces are cooperative solutions. So let's not reinvent the wheel, but let's pump up the air in those wheels and get them get them out there and roll. I like this picture of Oko about pumping the wheel. And you touched it before, but I know that the housing crisis is having an impact every day on so many Canadians, but it's also on the economy and about the labor market. You touched it before, but I want to go further. What are the real impact on the labor market regarding the housing crisis? Look, even before uh, COVID, which certainly exacerbated the problem, uh, we survey our members on a regular basis, and and their number one issue was actually access to um, to labor and having skills matching the jobs that are required. And what workers will tell you, and and you're seeing it now with migration flows uh, out of higher cost jurisdictions like the GTA, that people are going to, if they can't afford housing, then they can't work in those areas. And so that puts the economy at a fundamental uh, risk. So coming up with those solutions, and let's be clear, when people talk about affordable housing, affordable means different things to different people. If you're a lawyer getting a six-figure uh, salary affordable is is one thing. If you're a single mom uh, working on minimum wage or just a bit more, uh, that is a very different definition of affordability. And what we need is a mixture of product that speaks to all of those needs. And quite frankly, in some circumstances, affordable means that government has to step up and subsidize it because you're never going to get on a market basis uh, housing built that will be affordable for people at the lowest end of the income brackets. Uh, thanks, Rocco. And Isabel, we have the discussion often about there's no one silver bullet. So what's your perspective on the uh, housing crisis right now? I would add that housing is not an easy target, regardless of age. Um, whether you are a tenant or aspiring owner, we are all dealing with a serious situation. Even middle-income households find it hard to find a roof that meets their needs or even their budget. So we have a big collective bar to set and we all have a role to play. Governments, municipalities, businesses, 
And as a socioeconomic leader, Desjardins is very active in this matter. I totally agree with you, Isabelle. Actually, we uh, were committed at Desjardins to finance the construction of 1,500 affordable housing units by 2025. And I could talk about it so much more, but we'll leave it at that. But I feel that there's so much more to say. But thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining me today. Everyone listening, don't forget, please, by the way, that Financial Literacy Month is just around the corner. And I really hope that you all continue to build your skills, knowledge, and most importantly, self-confidence and like all things finances change all the time so we need to always learn stay up to date if we want to promote financial empowerment so thank you again thank you to Rocco thank you to Isabel and thank you to all of you for listening and thank you for helping me make this happen in our next episode we're going to meet entrepreneurs I'm Guy Cormier. Join me on LinkedIn and Facebook. And once again, thank you for being here and for listening.